Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 251 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today you are joining us for an important episode on the imprint of stress and adrenal updates. And I feel like it's been a minute since we've talked about this. Yes, but not many minutes that have been stress-free. I mean, these past two years have really taken quite the toll or burden on many, where stress maybe in past years was a transient visitor. You know, you had a deadline or a party to plan or a wedding or some blip in the radar. But now we're starting to see over these past two years, this chronic, unresolved impact of stress that can drive some serious bodily damage. And Becky and I both as functional medicine practitioners have witnessed it not only personally, trying to ride the waves, if you will, or survive the burden of many of the unknowns from lockdown and loss of personal freedoms to uncertainty of a novel virus to all of the drama that has hit us from 2020 onbound. But we're truly seeing as practitioners this influence of chronic stress hitting neuroendocrine disorders, so neurological diseases, autoimmune conditions, uh, hormone imbalance, cardiovascular episodes, more and more clients dealing with blood pressure and arrhythmia, seeing emotional responses that have become overactivated, disturbing normal psychological and physiological equilibrium, which is a burnout really of both brain and body. So like you said, I think this one really is going to be important. We're going to help you guys to understand the influence of what stress does to your body. We're going to refamiliarize you with the HPA access, that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback of the body and brain that I reference also often, but I think requires a little bit of a pause and honoring of all of the interconnected components of it. And we're going to be providing you some updates on your adrenal glands, the importance of making them resilient or supporting their resilience in your body so that you can not just survive chronic stress, but you can thrive despite it. Totally. Um, So past episodes that we've covered this sort of topic, um, really that deep dive format of HPA access explanation and influence on the adrenals have been episode 158 how to rebound your adrenals 129 which was are you running running on adrenaline i think that's one of our most popular to date yeah Uh, that's like my favorite honestly we talked in that one about cognitive dissonance and the impact of like career and life stressors mm -hmm. or transitions of career which I think is happening a lot now with people returning back to work. Oh, yeah. Where it's like they didn't want to work from home. They didn't like the homeschooling and working full time. But now there's this like re-mourning or recalibrating of the loss of... (laughs) 
wearing sweatpants and now having to show up as a different version of ourselves and 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 is that now how we align is this is this career what we want to be doing now that we've had this little bit of a recalibration so definitely check out 129 running on adrenaline we talk about how if you're not at peace with the present how that disconnect of going through the motions of your day-to-day without being your dream life dream world dream Mm -hmm. relationship could drive in itself an Achilles heel or a chronic stress response. Totally. It's so true. And like having to reset boundaries with going back to work when you've been accessible at all hours on your laptop yeah, and all no of doubt. the things. No doubt. Um, and then episode 222 more recently was the depression immune connection also that hits on this topic. Yes, absolutely. So my favorite pull quote from the anti-anxiety diet that'll kind of open up with today's episode is that chronic stress or anxiety is the Achilles heel of wellness. So even if you've addressed gut health or you've gotten off hormonal birth control and you've regulated your cycle or you're nourishing your body with all of the food as medicine input that you can strategize or you are doing perfect HIIT training and intermittent fasting, if, again, you're not feeling mentally, emotionally at peace, and if you're under too high of a demand of a stress response and you're chronically in survival mode, the body is not going to be optimized. Totally. And I think, you know, this concept isn't always acknowledged in mainstream medicine, but there's a great chance a lot of our listeners um, have dealt with, you know, adrenal imbalance or some imbalance of this HPA access of the body and that chronic stress and are really needing to take a deeper dive for resolution long term. Um, yes. And I think a lot of confusion maybe is is the piece of like over and underdrive of the adrenal. So maybe let's yes. start off with that and some of the common symptoms, especially what you're seeing like now, kind of, you know, post 2020 into halfway through 2021, what are we seeing as symptoms? Yeah, truly it is so vast and it can be system influencing. So we can see impact on our digestive tract with chronic stress response. Uh, We've talked about in past episodes how we've seen a huge influx of gastritis or ulcerations in the gastric pouch or stomach ulcers, which highly trend with stress response. We've seen digestive distress, both bloating, A lot of individuals don't tie, you know, we think so much about like the probiotic challenge and the microbiome and dysbiosis with bloating. But Becky, how many of your patients have done like six, seven, eight forms of gut cleanses and you test their stool, they don't have any overgrowth of yeast, no overgrowth of a pathogen. They're still taking the herbal immune and the berberine boost, even though you've told them they don't need it. And it's actually a cortisol imbalance in their body driving that bloating distension because when cortisol is too low, that can actually allow fluid retention and chronic inflammation, which increases food sensitivity related bloating. So it can actually be that low secretory IgA or that leaky gut as the root cause of the bloating beyond the microbiome. So I think that's worth pausing and calling out. Yeah, yeah. And when that secretory IgA is low, our body's like less able to fight those invaders should they come as well. Totally. So then we're left more inflamed from food sensitivity and leaky gut and also 
unarmed, immunologically yep. speaking, to make the antibodies to combat the pathogen. And that could be something that's viral or gut bacteria sure. related, yep. for sure. So it yep. could be systemic, creating more of the autoimmune imbalance. Um, and so I think that's definitely a big area where the immune system from chronic stress will go into suppression mode of underactive immune system or autoimmune, where the body's under this chronic fight or flight response and it's like okay what do i attack i'm gonna get the thyroid boom there goes hashimoto's thyroiditis and so we're getting inflammation in the thyroid gland because the surveillance system of the body was so jacked up that it didn't feel safe and felt it needed to attack something sure. um, so we can see that through any form of pathology of an autoimmune disease even in the neurological field so like multiple sclerosis or a new diagnosis of parkinson's disease uh, we can see chronic fatigue which i think is more of what people tend to think of or at least in the mainstream medical world when we talk about the adrenals we think of cushing's disease which is an overactive adrenal gland often accompanied with excessive cortisol levels and then adrenal insufficiency isn't always acknowledged but sometimes it will be acknowledged secondarily based on corticosteroid induced insufficiency basically sure. an individual that's been on prednisone or actually children i've seen more and more diagnoses of individuals that have been on these rescue inhalers mm -hmm. and these yep. inhaled corticosteroids now going through puberty and having suppressed sex hormone delayed growth patterns and adrenal insufficiency which then can drive blood sugar issues so there's the whole metabolic world of the adrenal glands that we'll remind you guys about where your corticosteroids regulate or can have an impact on your glucose levels in the body. And so if we have adrenal insufficiency, when we're sleeping, our blood sugar may not be optimized. We might be going more hypoglycemic or more reactive hypoglycemia, not having that regulation of blood sugar response. And then in, in an overactive adrenal, we can see diabetes. We can see an elevated A1C, that three-month average of blood sugar levels from individuals at chronic stress because their liver is going through gluconeogenesis, dumping sugar as a survival response. And then their cortisol survival hormone is continuing as a glucocorticoid with that blood sugar dump. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And something I've seen in clients who check their A1C pretty regularly is, you know, a steady increase over the past year where maybe they haven't changed anything in their right. eating Still tight keto. alone mm -hmm. um, or they're wearing a, a CGM and they're noticing those trends as well. And that really helps to like rein it in to be able to see it, but it is for sure something I've seen. Yes. And then we talked about this two episodes ago, the impact on irregular sleep patterns and insomnia, which have been on the rise. What was that word? There's like COVID-somnia. Corona-somnia, I think. Corona-somnia. Corona-somnia. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, and then I think one that I think a lot of people maybe don't like to recognize is true, I personally can align with this, is this overdrive excessive adrenaline mode which can feel like an uncomfortable chemical surge or charge and um, this can be accompanied by excess adrenaline or epinephrine which is that neurotransmitter made by the adrenals which can drive heart palpitations anxiety like this lion in a cage kind of pacing or electric almost sensation uh, of this overcharged and that can drive irritability short fuse or higher volatility or reactivity so easier to like snap at a loved one and just not feel truly safe just feeling kind of shaky and um, uncomfortable in your skin sure that makes sense that a lot of people might feel that way especially this past year yes yes yeah. and it is it's, it's yep. a survival you're yep. like i don't know what i'm surviving right right <laughs> i need to exactly. survive 
Exactly. Um, and then even, you know, in the, in the world of like increased belly fat, I think that's yes. a big impact that we see with adrenal dysfunction as well. Right. So again, your macros might be perfect, but you could mm-hmm. see dysregulation of glucose, which can drive the belly fat. And then if you are putting out excessive cortisol, cortisol really as a survival steroid does pack on poundage for the body. And that often is that visceral fat, which is closest to the vital organs, which can then interfere further with our metabolic health. And then on the other end, if we're insufficient in the adrenals, uh, we might have burned out DHEA. And I feel like this is a constant one that you and I are talking about in our keto programs, the difficulty of getting into nutritional ketosis because of adrenal insufficiency. So if you are not putting out enough DHEA, that's a primary necessary building block or substrate to aid in ketone production. So often we'll have individuals run our Neurohormone Complete Plus panel. We see their DHEA is like in the 30s or the 40s, and we really need it at that 150 minimum to get into healthy ketone production and really feel that like rebound. I I liken the DHEA burnout of like a rubber band that's lost its elasticity. So Mm -hmm. when a stressor hits, you want to like go curl up in a ball. And if DHEA is too high, like I was pre-keto, that's that like, again, like the elasticity is too tight and you're like this bitey, snappy side of things. Yeah. Um, and then even in the fertility world, we can Huge. see hormonal imbalance. And, and oftentimes this is like the underlying root cause behind infertility. Yeah. So when we're looking at values, often prolactin will also be elevated when under chronic stress. Uh, prolactin is made by the pituitary gland. And so when the HPA axis is off, that's one of the big biomarkers that we look for in the world of infertility. And then just elevated cortisol or epinephrine or norepinephrine can even interfere with regulation of menstrual cycle as well as ovulation. Uh, we see also chronic inflammation on the other end of the spectrum of if the adrenals are burned out. So I've kind of toggled back and forth throughout all of these things, but I'm pretty sure that something I've mentioned has hit you with an aha as you're listening to this. And the big dance is understanding that we need ample amounts of our adrenal compounds. If there's too much, that can put us in this excitatory fight or flight excessive amount. And if there's too little, it can put us in this burnout, flat, depleted mode. Sure. Um, And yeah, I think everyone listening can certainly appreciate that chronic stress has had a big impact over the past couple of years and and why we really need to like love our on our adrenals and appreciate them. Um, Before we get into the good stuff, let's have a couple of announcements. We came like out of the gate (laughs) going, but we've got a couple things to update you guys on first. Yes. I have all the things to share on the adrenals and I'm feeling the adrenaline surge going into it. So (laughs) we'll take a pause. And um, we did want to share with you guys that as you are listening to this, finally, we like teased this the last six episodes, but now we are actually in August and you can purchase the 12 week food is medicine ketosis program archive for just $99. It is available for you. It's evergreen. So you'll have access to all of the six classes. They're about an hour and a half in length. We go through leaky gut. We talk about detox. We talk about mastering your macros and determining what protocol is appropriate for you, as well as phases of exploring metabolic flexibility from going from tight keto into a 1.5, which 
creates more abundance of produce, and then even exploring carb cycling and how that could work for you. Uh, it's super high value. It's a $299 program that we used to do four times a year, but now we're going to be shortening it to just twice a year live and offering this evergreen archive, which is pulled from our May 2021, so the most recent recordings that you'll have access to. You're also going to get a lot of customizable handouts, quizzes to help to walk you through the six courses to determine where you need to kind of invest deeper or where you might need to layer in some supplement strategy, what other things are included in the program. Um, in-depth supplement recommendations. So mm -hmm. within each module, we try to pitch to you, not our entire line, but three to four supplements to um, add in or, or layer in, starting with the foundational kind of keto basics and then up-leveling depending on what area speaks to you within the program. Yes. And then if you resonate with this HPA access stuff, there is an entire class mm -hmm. where we actually provide you the HPA access and adrenal quiz, which we will be putting in today's episode show notes as well. So you can check out our show notes to take that quiz to understand how this all is impacting your body. But anyway, go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and you can purchase the 12-week Food is Medicine Keto Program Archive for just $99 and you'll have access to that for the lifetime of the website. Another quick kind of call to action, those of you that are wellness influencers, uh, health coaches, uh, let's see, masseuses, uh, Mom's personal trainers. Mom group. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, personal trainers, dietitians, dental assistants, <laughs> all the things, anything. Yes. If you have an audience and you love naturally nourished supplements and you would love to share the naturally nourished supplements with the world, you can apply to become a naturally nourished ambassador. We'll put a link in the show notes and we will be selecting ambassadors in October. So stay tuned for that. And then with constructs of today's episode on adrenals and stress, as we announced two weeks ago, we are still running our $100 off the Adrenal Rehab Program. So for just $99, you can use the code ADRENAL99 and you will get the entire Adrenal Rehab Program, which is three hours of video content, customized interactive worksheets, five cooking demos and recipes, supplement and advanced lab testing. And we will nerd out a little bit more in the middle of today's episode on this, but this is going to be a short-term promo. So if you're interested in both the keto program and adrenal rehab, purchase the adrenal rehab now because the keto program is gonna be locked in at that $99 price yep. point, whereas adrenal rehab is $199. Just for this end of this week, you'll get that $100 off saving. Awesome. And then we have an opening sponsor for this episode as well. So let's talk a little bit about Santa Cruz Medicinals. And I feel like this could be a really good fit within the conversation of stress for today's episode. Absolutely. So CBD has the ability to naturally improve moods, calm anxiety, and regulate stress. It actually has been clinically proven to counteract cortisol from being released, and it works in harmony with the body's endocannabinoid system. So we actually have wired up within our bodies the response to cannabidiol and cannabidiol can have anti-inflammatory effects as well as i mentioned neurological stabilizing and hpa access regulating impact 
So when you go on over to scmedicinals.com, that's for Santa Cruz Medicinals, scmedicinals.com, you can put in the code AllieMillerRD to save 15% off your first order and free shipping on their CBD products. So a couple things that I call out and why I work with Santa Cruz Medicinals is that they provide potent and affordable CBD products. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients and I've suggested they're, they're already maxed out on my Calm and Clear, so maybe they're taking you know eight of those, they're taking Relax and Regulate, they're using Gabba Calm, they've improved phenomenally, but there's still that little bit. Maybe they're not getting that full night of rested sleep. Maybe they're still getting a little wiry in their mid-morning or after a workout or just feeling a little bit more need for cognitive clarity. CBD does not work at micro doses. So you really do need a strong enough dose, like 50 to 100 milligrams, or I always say 50 to 80 milligrams in a day to start out an individual. And usually the minimal amount you want at a time is 30 milligrams. And when I talk to clients, they might be doing like a dropper where they're getting seven milligrams. And so they're really not even getting uh, close to what would be an effective influence. Um, And Santa Cruz Medicinals does test their products. So they test for both potency and purity, ensuring that there's no toxins or mold. And there also is the guaranteed amount of milligrams in said dosage. So I have been enjoying their deep sleep capsules and I'll take one of those, which has 55 milligrams of CBD in it, along with valerian and L-theanine. Um, I love their MCT oil suspensions. They have the MCT oil, which allows the natural antioxidant in the coconut of the MCT, which creates that photo uh, sensitive pink pigment. So pretty. Yeah, it is really pretty. And that's how you know that it actually is less processed. So it actually maintains that natural plant matter that is um, going to be oxidized somewhat by the natural light. And you get that protective pink hue Um, and their MCT oil does not have any other carriers so you're getting that really pure product with CBD to deliver it in a suspension and then they also have really fun tinctures that are flavored and pain salves uh, which have been really phenomenal with my clients that are doing exercise injury or recovery of certain areas of their body so scmedicinals.com use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout oh and I've used the pain salve for period cream and it's pretty awesome as well as like that lower back ovulation time pretty cool so again it's scmedicinals.com use the code allymillerrd okay so we started getting into some of the kind of vast array of conditions and symptoms associated with adrenal imbalance or chronic stress let's cover a bit of just the (laughs) adrenal basics before we like railroad them um, and just give a little bit more on you know what makes what and and where it's made and also how the HPA axis fits in. Or right, how the adrenals fit into the axis, I suppose. Right, yep. So the adrenal gland has two parts. Uh, The adrenal glands are small, about the size of a quarter. They sit above your kidneys. And there's two parts. There is the medulla and the cortex. In the medulla of the adrenal gland, we make neurotransmitters. We make dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. And in the cortex of the adrenal gland, we make our steroids. And this is where we make aldosterone, which is the hormone 
that we tend to think of as regulating blood pressure and sodium retention in the body to do so. Uh, we also make in the cortex our DHEA, which I mentioned prior has more of a direct impact on this chronic stress response as well as metabolism through ketone production and DHEA also plays a role with mental clarity. Um, we did a, a episode prior, like in the 70s, I want to say 70 something, and it was called DHEA Metabolic Miracle. And uh, we'll link that in the show notes. Uh, but DHEA also has some properties to work like a stem cell in the brain. So a lot of anti-aging properties. DHEA can metabolize into estradiol or estrogen as well as testosterone. So it can also have a role in sexual hormone balance. And again, that too much is kind of this like taut, excitatory, bitey. Too little is like apathetic, flat, burnout. Uh, not being able to deal with or cope with stressors. And you can have similar expression with cortisol, but cortisol is more complex than just sex hormone and stress response. So cortisol is probably the star of the show of the adrenal glands, also made by the cortex of the adrenals. And cortisol too high is going to act like an immunosuppressant, kind of a blocker, if you will. Uh, we tend to think of using synthetic forms of cortisol, like prednisone or mm -hmm. hydrocortisone, right, uh, with individuals that have an autoimmune flare, like rheumatoid arthritis, a very common tool there, or even um, those steroids with a severe infection, like a respiratory infection, like bronchitis. Uh, if that gets really severe, we'll see corticosteroids being used. So they can, in high levels, suppress the immune system and be anti-inflammatory, but also in those high levels is where we can get that excitatory insomnia, overdrive, belly fat. And then in too low, when we see that adrenal insufficiency or too low of cortisol, we can see um, issues with regulatory function. So we can see chronic inflammation, which is where we would pair like the more food sensitivity bloat. Uh, we can also see low energy because cortisol creates uh, support for our circadian rhythm where it peaks in the morning and then is to kind of like an L curve slowly cascade throughout the day. Uh, so we can see fatigue, uh, we can see brain fog, difficulty concentrating, and literally feeling like you're running on empty. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, on that kind of overdrive piece of the puzzle, it's you mentioned the body like not feeling safe, and that's the big thing, um, especially with metabolism, sexual hormone, or reproductive yeah. health. I think that's a really big highlight. Yeah. So, you know, you're either in a survival reactive mode mm -hmm. um, when we're thinking of this HPA axis or we're in a regulatory mode. So kind of just real quick 101 on that. The HPA axis is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback. So the hypothalamus and pituitary are in the brain, the adrenal glands, again, sitting above the kidneys. And when we're in a regulatory mode, this is our parasympathetic mode. And in the parasympathetic mode, we used to call that just rest and digest, but that's where everything is regulated when the body feels safe. So that's where our reproductive health is regulated. That's where our metabolism is regulated. Um, there's another episode I'll link all about the HPA axis that we didn't mention in the opening. And we literally go through, you know, for instance, just thinking of the thyroid gland and the connection to HPA axis, 
Your thyroid releasing hormone is made by the hypothalamus. The thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH is made by the pituitary. And so when the hypothalamus and pituitary are in a reactive sympathetic fight or flight response versus the regulatory parasympathetic, then those glands are putting out energy to stimulate only the adrenals to survive and we get suppressed thyroid uh, production hormone. You know, we don't get both the stimulus and we also Mm -hmm. don't get the thyroid releasing hormone made. Um, So that's just one direct comparison how metabolic regulatory function can be suppressed if HPA axis is in that overdrive reactive mode. Sure. When the body's not feeling safe, nothing's going right. Yeah. So that would hit metabolism. And then in the sexual hormone world, um, we know that our gonadotropin releasing hormone is going to be impacted. We know that our LH and FSH are regulated by the pituitary. And so in women, this is regulating their ovulation. This is regulating their menstrual cycle length and flow. We know also, like I mentioned, prolactin impacting oxytocin made by the pituitary. So when we don't have enough of these feel-good, anxiolytic or anxiety-reducing safety mechanisms, the body in that survival mode suppresses metabolism, reproductive health, and immune health and can really put us at risk for overall health. Sure. Um, And let's hit a little bit more maybe on the immune and cortisol adrenal connection. So I think episode 222, depression and autoimmune connection was huge here. And um, we really hit on that inflammatory chemical impact of fighting virus or pathogen and mood. Right. You know, the idea that if the brain is in a state of chronic inflammation, that it's like trying to fire neurotransmitters through mud or through jello. You know, there's not that rapid receptor acceptance and also the rapid firing. And so we see an impact on our neurochemicals when we're dealing with chronic inflammation. And um, when the body is upregulating an immune response, it's going to, so basically if the body surveys and determines that there's an invader, um, so a pathogen, this could be a pathogen, again, in the gut, so it could be candida or dysbiosis, it could be a pathogen that's viral, like coronavirus, right? Um, When the immune system upregulates an immune response to attack that said invader or pathogen, it's going to drive an inflammatory reaction. And again, that inflammatory reaction suppresses neurotransmitter production as well as expression. And then that downstream can impact our mood. So it's really important to connect this impact on maybe individuals that have, uh, it had an infection with COVID and are dealing with long hauler and a little bit of this flatness or burnout uh, because again, it could be root more adrenal than maybe just as easy as getting on an SSRI drug. Sure. Yep. Um, so we might want to really ensure that that HPA axis is taken off that reactive post and we're able to regulate this parasympathetic space so the body and brain can feel safe again as well as regulating the inflammation. And I think that it's worth considering also for individuals that have mood disturbances or anxiety following vaccination Mm -hmm. because that upregulates a stimulus to the immune system or really any form of toxic exposure because, again, the immune system is, is trying to figure out and battle and regulate the response. And if the immune system's distracted from a novel intervention and trying to understand, you know, how, what, what do I do with this spike protein productivity? 
um, that can often deter from balance of this HPA axis. Sure. Yeah, I've definitely seen more of that like fatigue, brain foggy, just like flat mood in the post-COVID syndrome. So it makes sense with the the post-vaccination as well. Yeah. And then, you know, the other part of this chicken and egg on the other end of the spectrum is that the immune system also is going to have more severe disease state or a a more... um, severe prognosis of infection if an individual has elevated cortisol. Um, And so if an individual was stressed before they were infected or introduced to the pathogen, which we know we're more susceptible to illness when we're chronically stressed, that that elevated cortisol concentration actually in case of of COVID-19 demonstrated a high total serum cortisol concentration with increased risk for mortality from COVID infection. So there were significantly higher levels of death in those that had elevated cortisol levels. Let that sink in for a sec. That's, yeah, yeah, and that's and so powerful. it goes back to again: Are we knocking on doors sure. to force everyone to get a jab, or are we knocking on doors to tell people to regulate their stress response, right, right. to support their metabolic health, get some to, vitamin D, right, right? So getting back to this kind of like holistic approach of what is well care versus this myopic narrow approach of sick care uh, block the invader versus support the terrain of an optimal well body and i think that we know this with all illness i mean even pre-pandemic right like that classic uh type a businessman that gets sick every season because it's like the fly on the wall buzz 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 Mm -hmm. till you crash and burn and i know we personally um historically we, we well we both did get with COVID, but <laughs> yeah, that used to be more dynamic for me of like end I used of to a have semester, an yes. vacation, yes. like end of a big deadline or something like that. It would always be like where things would flare up. Yes. And we joke about the like, you know, person who gets married and they like make it through yeah. the wedding and then their honeymoon, oh, they're yeah. just sleeping. There's yep. an adrenal yep. insufficiency. Yep. Totally. Yep. <laughs> for sure. Three months after my wedding and still wasn't recovered. And, yeah. <laughs> well, and one of the mechanisms, just to get a little nerdy on this, uh, cortisol connection to immune, uh, we haven't really touched on the histamine response, which I think is very relevant to note on. So, you know, cortisol itself is an antihistamine. And so we've talked about in past episodes also how individuals will relocate. Maybe they take on a new job and they're like, oh, well, like the seasonal allergies must be really bad here, or there just must be a lot of mold in Austin or, or, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, maybe also you've burned out your adrenals and your cortisol levels have depleted some. And so now you have rampant amount of histamine response from seasonal allergens that maybe you otherwise would have been able to combat. And so histamine itself, you know, is an organic compound that recruits white blood cells to ward off infection. So there's extensive clinical research looking at the negative symptoms upon the immune system with elevated levels of cortisol because of that suppression of histamine. So on both ends of the spectrum, right, you could have suppressed histamine with excessive cortisol, which then histamine doesn't bring in the white blood cell response or in adrenal insufficiency from chronic stress and adrenal burnout, you could have excessive histamine response. And then that's where you're dealing with all of those allergic-like symptoms, like the dry, itchy eyes, hives, uh, and and some of the other distress from the burnout. Sure. And and why people might go to like a steroid type medication or a nasal spray that contains steroids or something like that. And that would end up perpetuating the issue. Yes, no doubt. Um, So I think it's fair to say that the adrenals are key in just our health, wellness, disease prevention for sure. Um, I 
think, however, all too often it's hard for listeners to understand the impact of stress when they're not easy to acknowledge that they're yes. under stress. And and this is like in our, you know, intake with clients, sometimes you have to ask like 10 questions on stress to finally chip at like, I think you're stressed. Um, do you happen to be stressed? And kind of asking in, in even different ways. Yes. I mean, I have been tapped into this again as authoring the anti-anxiety diet and really nerding out on the stress whole body connection for the past five years. And yet I still will have aha light bulb moments yeah. with myself where I'm like, oh shit, I'm I'm in overdrive mode again. I guess I need to like really level up this or I need to really pull something out or edit. And honestly, it's like that frog in the boiling water. You know, uh, when we take a moment and we think, you know, a year back or five years back or 10 years ago and we reflect on our pace of life, our demands, our pressures, the unknowns, which I think the unknowns were the biggest curveball mm-hmm. in the last two years. These sure. are pending doom, you know, and then the media... Yep storm. Um, but we tend to overlook what chronic stress is because, you know, in the, over those last 10 years, at least for me personally, it's like the dial's just been going tick, 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 yeah. <laughs> just slowly, slowly going from simmer yeah. to boil. And so in that scenario, it doesn't feel as acute or as dynamic for us to say, whoa, this is unbearable. This isn't, this isn't doable. Um, so let's maybe walk through Becky a little bit when we do an intake with patients Often, when we ask them if they're stressed, they'll, yeah. they'll rate it as you know medium, moderate, or low, moderate. Some do right away say hi. Yeah. Uh, but how do we connect the like ahas to an individual that they are stressed? Like, what are some of the questions that we go through in that intake form? Yeah, I think my favorite questions are in the realm of like the physical manifestation of stress. So asking about areas of tightness and tension in the body. Do you tend to experience tension in the neck or shoulders or clenching in the jaw, grinding of the teeth? Yes. um, Often they won't even tell me that, but they'll be like, well, my dentist says I grind my teeth and I'll make a note right then and there. Or I have a bike guard. Or I wear a night guard every night. (laughs) And and they're still not acknowledging that they're grinding their teeth, but that's there. So like physical areas of tension, I think is is a big one for sure. Um, And then also about perceived stress and anxiety. So like looking at, you know, from heart palpitations or shortness of breath, feeling tightness or tension and, and kind of going with them to a time where they experience stress and kind of walking through like, what are the physical sensations? Are you experiencing like tightness in the throat, the chest, racing heart, shortness of breath, kind mm-hmm. of that world of things that might be more obvious, I would hope, to people, right. but not always. And then even just on disease risk alone, mm-hmm. we know when we're looking at any mood-related disease that stress is something, so whether it's depression or anxiety or anything in between, that that's something we need to dig deeper into, as well as cognitive impairment, because it's just that burnout yep. in the brain, essentially. And then the whole cardiovascular world, like we said, and a new impact on blood sugar regulation, that stress response. Um, and it's just because, again, that chronic stress can really exacerbate any pro-inflammatory disease as well as increase susceptibility to infection and even override the surveillance system so that we're more susceptible to things like cancer. Sure. There's a huge cancer stress connection, which is absolutely worth noting. And I think it's honestly, if we don't honor this importance of the parasympathetic state or find the less is more approach to really intentionally mellow out and 
think of a huge investment of that idea of getting the body to feel safe that's where that wellness again regulatory function is really optimized so i think it's imperative that we all take some inventory and that's why i have included the adrenal fatigue hpa access quiz in today's episode notes so you all as your homework i would love you to just do that inventory check in on yourself see if you're in overdrive or underdrive mode and then we have within the details what you could consider as far as supplement and lifestyle strategy but that's what we're going to do in today's episode. Too. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Walking through everything from sleep disturbance under stress to asking clients about their energy cascade th- throughout the day, but we'll let y'all do the quiz to gain more yes. on that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, and, and even if you have a hard time admitting to the stress, or maybe you don't currently experience these symptoms, studies have shown that chronic stress can also induce epigenetic changes throughout your whole genome right? and can um, impact distribution of molecules in the brain, which is the central organ of stress and adaptation to stress. So in a way, our body is keeping score of those times of elevated stress. Yes. So there is a lot of compelling research and we see a lot of this in maternal genetic changes that can result from mother's high cortisol exposure in utero to Mm -hmm. baby and that may even be passed down we're seeing to future generations so not even the baby during that pregnancy the um, impact of early life stress also in childhood so from poor maternal care um, that's been linked in changes in our um, receptors in our brain as well as our gene environment into how the brain develops And we see the impact of adverse stressful childhood experiences having a powerful influence on lifelong trajectories of health and disease, often paired with imbalance in cortisol expression, as well as the metabolic piece of management of inflammation and blood sugar control. Uh, There was also a study that I'll link in 2017 that looked at patients with Cushing's syndrome and um, they looked at changes in DNA methylation. So literally how your genes are reproduced and expressed. So the level of your genetic code. And they saw that patients that were exposed to high amounts of cortisol, which is characteristic of Cushing syndrome, there's again that overdrive excessive component of the gland function, that the individuals that had excessive cortisol had less DNA methylation compared to healthy individuals. And these were associated with persistent neuropsychological consequences, such as fatigue, depression, and anxiety. Um, the study found that longstanding hypercortisolism or excessive cortisol reduces global DNA methylation, specifically in genes that are known to attenuate the sensitivity of the glucocorticoid receptor and therefore may induce hyperactivity of the HPA axis. What that gobbledygook means is that based on the DNA methylation reduction, that the genes that play a role with the receptor or the feedback of the cortisol reduce in sensitivity, which creates a constant or chronic demand for higher stimulus of the axis that drives that reactive cortisol production pattern. Sure. So a lot to unpack for sure with the inherited trauma and even impact on our DNA and all of the things. Right. And a a lot of the studies are really solid, right? Both on DNA methylation and that that 
that glucocorticoid receptor, that GC receptor um, connection with DNA methylation is what basically creates like an ongoing demand. It's like the stimulus doesn't dock. And so that we've seen also in studies driving behavioral problems, even in adulthood, uh, we can see impaired memory and learning, anxiety and depressive like behaviors. All too often, as we talked about in past episodes, there's an influx in the pharma in the world of SSRIs, SSRNIs, antidepressants, anti-anxieties, and those really are a band-aid on a volcano, not addressing this root cause, which can then create a cascade of other adverse effects. Absolutely. Um, Not to mention like ADHD medications, which we've hit on. That would be kind of the other side of things, but we've hit on that pretty hard in a couple of episodes. Yeah, I think since you brought it up, we should. uh, Because so most ADHD medications are going to be a stimulus or a stimulant. And these will actually continue to drive again that reactive. I don't know. It'd be interesting to look, Becky, at studies on the glucocorticoid receptors of individuals that are on ADHD drugs, if those are desensitized, because you would assume Mm -hmm. so, because basically a stimulus uh, like a synthetic methamphetamine, um, which is class of many of the drugs that are used, uh, there's going to be this constant... Um, fight-or-flight response, and that is going to throw the axis into that reactive versus regulatory, so perpetuating that adrenal burnout or excessive adrenal response. Yeah, I know from looking at like a Labrix panel of an individual who I'm trying to wean off or getting like their first timestamp while they're still actively taking the medication. I know I've seen mostly cortisol insufficiency, yes. uh, but sometimes they'll see some wonky stuff with like super high dopamine, but then everything else is is really flatline low. But usually it's more of that like post burnout because they've been on it for a while. And I've seen both ends of the yeah. spectrum. I've seen littles with uh, really high cortisol sure. due yep. to that and, and epinephrine off the charts, um, which just then can drive again, that just discomfort and the need for more amendment versus true resolution. Right. Right. Okay. Um, So let's maybe get into some of the functional medicine approaches and how we can support our HPA access, regulate adrenal function, and maybe also some ways to squash some of those stressors. Okay. So I'll share some general, and then maybe we can share some of our personal ones we've been employing over the past two years or so, uh, at least, or leveling up, I guess. Uh, So one of the first things absolutely that we hit on two episodes ago in episode 249 was the impact on sleep quality and quantity. So really committing to getting quality seven hours of sleep We talked about in that episode the very important consideration of melatonin as an antioxidant. Uh, So we're actually going to reduce free radicals in the brain and reduce inflammation, as well as enhance things like we've seen cool studies on fertility uh, with use of melatonin and even cardiovascular disease and prevention of estrogen dominance and cancer and so much more. So sleep quality and quantity and considering optimizing your melatonin within that world uh, would be a big piece of the puzzle. So definitely check out that episode for all the details on there. Improving your social support is huge, actually. You know, when we look at studies of blue zones or we look at the importance of community, to commune and gather is very essential for humans to thrive. We actually get both electromagnetic charge, right, from each other. We've talked about, you know, like the heart map um, where you can actually see an EKG uh, measurable up to six feet away from another person. So when we think about 
lockdown or social isolation or social distancing, we were really severing a lot of those passive community ties. Um, And so really important to intentionally and purposefully ensure that you are gathering with others and that maybe even aggressively you're offsetting the lack of passive, especially if that were to happen again, with those that are proactive. So gathering with neighbors for dinner parties or having a book club. I know our weekly Women Wednesdays dance group is a really big social emotional communal support where everyone hugs at the start and the end and it's a really open place to share and to release and and to feel that safety valve where we all kind of as sisters hold each other up and I think that that's a that social support is is really key as well as community so whether you're getting that through your church or again your book group or mama's group that's something to seek out and make as a serious resolution this year if you've lost it Yeah. Um, yeah I think filling up that void can help so big, not just spiritually and emotionally, but physiologically, because again, we feel others' vibration. And so when we can connect with others that are mellow, that actually makes our own bodies feel safer. Um, Beyond that, then taking maybe more of the emotional, like the gratitude practice and promoting a positive outlook on life. I think editing your stressors or your commitments. So maybe actually like listing, what types of things do you do, Becky, to kind of like uh, release when you're feeling overburdened, overwhelmed, just tell Byron to do more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, usually I just unplug and go hang out with Noah and having a baby is a wonderful stressor, but also such a good moment of presence and like acknowledgement of like, I can't be anywhere else. I can't be on my phone. I can't, I mean, I try to work on my laptop and he's like right there, like batting at it. And you just have to kind of like check out and so being, that's really Be, like a mindfulness yeah, practice, mindful. I would say, right? Yeah. Being present in the moment yep. and pausing and, and appreciating the simplicity, Sure, you know? Yeah. Um, and then even to a level of like actual gratitude practice, as I shared with Stella's birthday episode, that's something that we've really been doing in our household. Of course, eating an anti-inflammatory low glycemic diet is going to be a huge component. We'll talk about some specific food as medicine, but anti-inflammatory and low glycemic is going to be really key for supporting this balance in the HPA axis. And within that, I would say that this would be a time that you maybe would reduce your fasting window. Mm -hmm. So not fasting as aggressive because that food insecurity could actually be a stressor itself. Uh, This is also maybe a time where you would think of playing with more resistant starches or maybe adjusting your metabolic flexibility to be not as tight of carb control, not as deep of nutritional ketosis because ketones also play a role in expressing this HPA axis and can be a stressor if you're still feeling that things aren't back in order or balance. And then when you feel safe again, then that's something you can employ and pick back up the intermittent fasting or the the tighter keto there. Yeah, like dialing it down to like 12 hours, I think max, maybe 14. Yeah, and and yeah. maybe picking up a fat fast if you were just doing a naked fast. But yes. that's a, a big intervention I've had to employ with a lot of clients this past year of like, okay, we just, we're not going to fast right now or at least three to four days a week. You're going to break your fast by, you know, 10 a.m. Yeah, and because your body's, again, so wired to survive the unknowns Mm -hmm. and these dynamic changes in our environment, 
that we want to ensure that it feels safe with nourishment. So I think that's a good perspective to have. And with physical activity, movement absolutely is key, but really looking at regular moderate physical activity. So getting out for walks, things that incorporate cadence or rhythm. Uh, so you could do like a gentle spin class, but you don't want to be doing like the hills. You want to do like a a uh, French country bicycle ride. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Um, Does Peloton have that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then like things like yoga would be great for that. Pilates. So you can strengthen your container. You can strengthen your foundation and your core. And that's something I'm kind of personally, I'll say I've waxed and waned and it took me a lot to give myself permission to do less. And now I'm finding myself like, okay, like I can, I'm going to, I'm going to probably be a little more mindful of, I was like, oh, I'm doing so good. I'm incorporating an evening snack. My body feels so safe. And then it's like, well, I just got on the scale and I'm up eight pounds. How did that happen? Um, Maybe my body is a little too safe. So it's always this calibration. Um, But I do think, and and now I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick up another day of a bar method class and do a little bit more toning activity and ab work and I'm good with sweating during exercise and even like our yoga pace um, when we've been doing it has been kind of picking up a little bit more um, so just kind of play with where you're at so that it fits into your current menu of the day of, of your stressors you're taking on um, and I will say that in the world of mindfulness practice there has been a lot of compelling literature and research out there. Um, So there's been both functional and structural neuroimaging studies that suggest that mindfulness practice is associated with neuroplasticity or changes in the anterior cortex um, of the brain that actually aid as the uh, default mode network structures and, and also the frontolimbic network. We've seen improvement with mindful practice. And then we've even seen that meditation itself can affect change on a cellular level. There was a study in 2017 that found that yoga and meditation-based lifestyle interventions significantly reduced the rate of cellular aging in a otherwise healthy population. Um, And so we do see that there is intervention or add-in psychological and physiological that can actually reverse the stress-induced, potentially epigenetic or genome planted from in utero. You sure. know? So if you had a, a stressful childhood or even two decades ago, a really gnarly divorce or God forbid, a loss of a loved one, these genome-wide transcriptional responses have made their, their um, imprint, if you will. This is the imprint of stress that we're talking about, right? However, you can still override those epigenetically um, based on the expression of that gene. And so in the world of like DNA methylation, I think that's where we would nerd out on ensuring that this individual who had a high stress history or any of us that made it through the last Mm -hmm. couple of years, we're really focused on methyl donors. And another important factor when we're looking at nutritional supplements, ensuring we're getting that 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate in our B-complex um, or other factors that are going to support that genetic expression. Sure, yeah. Um, okay, before we get into food as medicine support, let's just give a little bit more love on our adrenal rehab program, which we are offering right now to you guys at $100 off for just $99. Yes. 
So as we've shared, stress is beyond inevitable, but burnout does not have to be. And that's literally why I created this program for individuals that are feeling burned out or are feeling that they're jacked up running on adrenaline or they're just overextended and feeling anxious or overwhelmed. And maybe they're experiencing weight gain or metabolic stress or dealing with hormone imbalance, changes in their cycles or erectile dysfunction, you name it. But we all know that with the right tools and a food as medicine and foundational support, we could manage stress better. And that's really what my adrenal program provides. It's the science and the strategy to rebound your adrenal glands to support your body's return to balance while mellowing your mind and mood. So we're looking to provide you that stress resilience and tolerance, and it is going to incorporate, again, lifestyle factors, diet strategy, as well as advanced lab and supplement recommendations. Um, We'll be linking all of you the quiz for adrenal fatigue and HPA imbalance again in today's episode notes. And we'll also link with you the Adrenal Rehab Program trailer where I talk to you about how this program works, but it is set up to work over a four week period of time and you can have it evergreen so you can use it as many times as you'd like it's over three hours of materials and really just a great way for you to have those aha moments of ah this is one way for me to get back on track and one of my favorite materials in it is talking about allostatic load which is basically like the wardrobe of the stress that we wear so just as we were kind of talking about how you would adjust your fasting or how you'd adjust your keto. In this program, I talk about the importance of fat because you need fat to produce all hormones. So if you're in adrenal burnout, you do need fat to support and make ample cortisol to regulate the inflammation and regulate your energy cascades. But we also want to figure out what's the appropriate amount of fat that we're not taxing or overstressing the body, especially if we have liver or gallbladder stagnation. So this really takes an individualized deep dive of what works best for your body um, from food, macros, food as medicine, timing of eating, time-restricted eating, and so much more. Yes. And I love the... um the cooking videos that are included within that program as well. So we go through, or Allie goes through and, and makes the adrenal rehab shake, which is, yes. I'm sure we're going to get into all those lovely ingredients here in a moment. Um, there's a really good turmeric coconut milk chicken thigh recipe that you yes. won't find anywhere else. That's just a little bonus of um, getting this program. What else is in I there? I make that matcha breakfast yeah, pudding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so good. Fabulous. And I kind of uh, got off topic of that, that allostatic load worksheet. So what it does is it helps you to identify what stressors you are experiencing. So some of them could be systemic, like mold toxicity sure. or systemic like um, an injury, a torn rotator cuff, uh, or um, the body fighting candida overgrowth, okay? And then there's also stressors that are lifestyle, like a new job or having a toddler that you're, that you're working with on sleep schedule um, or interpersonal stresses with a relationship. And then there are the selected stressors of like, again, temperature therapy, fasting, keto, X, Y, Z. And so you have to kind of score all these and then it provides you support strategy on bubble wrapping. So how you can mitigate each of those stressors, 
Um, so, you know, support on reducing inflammation post-exercise with an inflammazyme um, or support with depth and quality of sleep or bringing an adaptogen boost if you are going to take on a new career shift and, and so forth. Sure. So really comprehensive program, great resources, and there's um, four weeks of email support. So we kind of check in on you guys every week. Hey, have you watched class two yet? Are you getting your food as medicine goals? Here's a way to up level. And we even provide things like helpful links to blue blockers in our Amazon store and so much more. Um, So head on over to Allie Miller RD and check out the adrenal rehab program. This promo won't last long. um, So grab it while you can. Yes. And do it before the next school year starts. This is like the prime time that we're getting through summer and kids summer camps and all the things. And we're like wiring back for the next school year. And I think it's going to be a doozy for a lot of us, a lot, especially transitioning of depending on where, which state you're in and What's going on with the uh, application of current CDC guidelines with back to school and all that jazz? So put your armor on, moms and dads, and um, definitely consider, or if you're going back to work, this is the time to really feel resilient versus setting yourself up for burnout. Yep, totally. All right, let's hit on some food as medicine for supporting your adrenals and just for stress support in general, starting with vitamin C. Yes. So vitamin C is an absolute must for healthy adrenals. Uh, Adrenals, when they pump out cortisol, there's going to be a higher demand for vitamin C. And so if vitamin C isn't available, the adrenals are going to pump out too much cortisol and then the gland will become dysfunctional either with insufficient or chronic excess. So on all ends of the spectrum, whether you're in adrenal overdrive or underdrive mode, we need that vitamin C. Um, We know that if the cortisol drops, the body's going to respond with more chronic inflammation. And we know that the vitamin C, if the cortisol drops, can also help to mitigate that histamine response. So that can reduce these seasonal allergies and food sensitivities that we talked about as an issue. Also, of course, vitamin C can be that potent antioxidant that can protect the adrenal cortex itself on a tissue level, which is really important. And it can help just with the entire immune response. So we know, again, that chronic stress can lead to more susceptibility to colds, viruses, and then even autoimmune conditions. There was a study that looked at individuals with one gram of vitamin C, which would be two capsules of our BioC+. And they saw that um, elevated levels of cortisol and blood pressure were significantly greater in those in the placebo group who did not get the vitamin C supplementation. So a dosage of just two capsules of the BioC Plus, which would be 1.2 grams or 1,200 milligrams of vitamin C, could have impact on mitigating or reducing that excessive cortisol as well as supporting healthy blood pressure response. And I think since we're talking about vitamin C here, Becky, let's just right away list our favorite food sources. And also let's talk a little bit about our BioC Plus and what makes it unique. Yeah, I was gonna say for those dealing with like the histamine connection and the adrenal burnout piece of the puzzle, our BioC Plus also contains quercetin. Yes. Um, It's also got rutin in there, which helps the quercetin to actually function and work better in the body. 
Yes, and then in the bioflavonoids, that there's that hesperidin. And so these are all going to be compounds or antioxidants in that citrus bioflavonoid component, or basically like the antioxidants in the citrus peel, if you will, um, that are going to work synergistically to regulate inflammation and oxidative stress, which is really huge. Um, and then you're getting the vitamin C in a blend of ascorbic acid as well as acerola, uh, acerola cherry. And so there's more of a whole food form. The acerola is standardized to have at least 25% of vitamin C in its composition. And again, each capsule having a total of 600 milligrams vitamin C in addition to the acerola and the citrus bioflavonoids, the routine and quercetin. Yes. And then food wise, I think citrus would be our favorite way to get it. I've been really loving, um, Meyer lemon kombucha from Buddhist brew, Stella's favorite brand. Oh yeah. Um, they've had that th- at the farmer's market recently and I've been enjoying incorporating that in a couple nights a week when I'm not doing wine as like an evening kind of cocktail. Um, and then doing like a lot of citrus zest and juice in recipes, you know, using it to, uh, flavor up a salad dressing or in a marinade, Um, especially in grilling season, I think that can be a great way to get more citrus. Yes. And then, you know, getting vitamin C really in all produce. So Mm -hmm. as long as you're getting your five cups of produce a day, even things like Brussels sprouts, of course, bell peppers really rich in vitamin C and peppers are in season now. Uh, Berries would be another great source of vitamin C. And then I've been doing really uh, also lime and orange wedges in tea, I'll save tea because you know it's coming when I recommend tea. There's going to be that um, abundance plus restriction thing for the adrenals. <laughs> but I'll save that before you guys push pause on the podcast. <laughs> Let's go to salt. I know what you're going to say. I know. Um, <laughs> Um, so salt, yeah, let's talk about why we recommend, especially in the case of adrenal insufficiency or that like low cortisol burnout mode. I think people often crave salt and that's a good sign that something, not a good sign, but a sign that something's going on with the adrenals. Um, so getting salty, adding plenty of salt to your food. Yes. And ideally choosing a high quality mineral salt. So we can link Redmond real salt. I have an affiliate code, so you'll save on your order and you get free shipping. Uh, I also, I recently just um, was showing their bentonite clay mask for Stella's uh, fire ant bites. So cool. it's a cool okay. product. Yeah. But um, if you're over there, you can check that out. But uh, Redmond real salt or just a good quality mineral salt is going to be key. Um, this is a great way to balance out your electrolytes and uh, regulate the blood pressure because the aldosterone plays a role with sodium retention. So the steroid hormones made in the cortex of the adrenal, again, are your cortisol, DHEA, and aldosterone. And so when we're dealing with adrenal insufficiency, often we have low levels of aldosterone, so we need more sodium to regulate the blood pressure. Otherwise, we can be low blood pressure, which can create like dizziness, um, fatigue, and um, impairment, mental impairment. Sure. Um, and even using things like bone broth and adding like pinches of salt into yeah. that, I think can be really great. Yes. And I've been keeping the little red mineral salt, mm-hmm. uh, shakers on my desk. And sometimes that's like a really good mid clinic pick me up, uh, to just give me a nice boost of mental clarity and also energy. I feel pretty significantly yeah. from just a little salt pick me up because then the adrenal gland gets to focus instead of blood pressure, which is a big survival thing on that cortisol and DHEA. Sure. 
Um, and then adaptogens are huge within this world of kind of both sides of the spectrum, whether you're falling on the high elevated kind of go, 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 or on more of the burnout side of things. Yes. So ashwagandha is a really good calming adaptogen. So not a nervine, which is more sedative, but ashwagandha can be very mellowing out, but still great for mental acuity. Uh, we incorporate that in our calm and clear supplement. Uh, maca would be one that maybe we'd think of as more of like a food as medicine intervention. Maca hits the pituitary gland and it is a, uh, tuber. It took me a moment to come up with that word, a tuber or root vegetable, basically, uh, that is Peruvian grown in Peru. And, um, that can help to support also progesterone levels. If you're someone that deals with low progesterone from that cortisol stress steel. Uh, and that's something we can include the um, walnut maca caramels. Oh, yeah. We did great a great recipe. video and recipe on the YouTube channel. So go check out the Naturally Nourished YouTube for that. Um, and then we could think of in the world of adaptogens also uh, like Panax ginseng. A lot of these I do think of it in supplements. So we'll save that for supplement world. Uh, reishi uh, mushroom though, like gamma um, a lot of the like mushroom teas could mm -hmm. be considered as an option here as well. Yep. And wild foods would be a great place to get them. They've got some good reishi blends. Isn't there reishi in the cocotropic yes. blend as well? Yes. So that's a great one that has the reishi and cordyceps and maca and cacao and turmeric. So you're yeah. getting that anti-inflammatory and adaptogen boost. And that works as like a nootropic. So the cocotropics will put as a link as well. Um, and then B vitamins really get hit across the board with stress, but particularly B5 and B6 when it relates to yes. cortisol production and the adrenals. Yes. So we would go for in the food as medicine world, uh, organs would be the best form liver specifically of those B vitamins and just getting ample protein, a good variety of ample protein, even including eggs is going to be a great way to get those B vitamins back up. And this would be a reason why I would be promoting grain free in the diet because refined processed grains in a flour based form. Uh, or flour in any form. So, um, you know, doing like a brown rice flour or, or um, especially a wheat or white flour, uh, flowers can actually leach B vitamins out of the body. And that's why you'll always find them synthetically enriched. This is an issue, of course, especially if you've had chronic stress and you experience that DNA methylation issue, because then those processed refined grains have folic acid, of course, not methylated, and that can create you an imbalance in your methylation process in the body. So I would say flour-free and getting ample protein as the big emphasis for the B vitamin family. Yep. And then incorporating like powerhouse foods like liver and eggs and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then what about in the world of blood sugar regulation? So like I said, I would definitely shorten your fasting window. So maybe like a 12 to 14 hour fast instead of a 16 to 18 and maybe even layer in more resistant carbs so that your body isn't in as deep of a nutritional ketosis. And that's for our keto listeners. For those of us listening that loosened up or, you know, lost even grasp on paleo and is eating more of a standard American diet, then I want you to go low glycemic at least. So we don't ever want to go above low glycemic 
hypoglycemic diet. Um, so keeping carbs generally capped at like 90 grams a day. Uh, most people will not be producing ketones there at all. I tend to live between like 40 to 60 grams a day, um, sometimes 30 to 50, kind of depending on the flow of the day. Uh, but 90 grams would be kind of the, the cap of a low glycemic diet and always pairing carbs with protein or healthy fat so you're not getting that blood sugar spike because that in itself uh, is going to create stress to the body and then can create the insulin hormone response to the glucose spike, which creates more body fat storage, which then can hinder the hormone expression. Okay, and then one more recipe that I love that kind of combines some of these stress-supporting foods that we've been talking about are our um, nori roll-ups with the yes. wild salmon. Yes, so definitely we'll link that, and that was a YouTube video. So it uses mineral iodine-rich seaweed, wild-caught salmon, omega-3s, really important for brain health, and then avocado, which avocado is fantastic. I love to just do avocado with olive oil for that monounsaturated oleic acid and a good coarse salt. That's a really great adrenal uh, kind of rehab supporter for you. You're getting your B vitamins, you're getting a good amount of folate and um, some nice fiber to kind of keep that glycemic index moderated. And um, that could be like a sweet potato avocado toast. Let's link that in the show yeah. notes. And then do that though with fried eggs um, and make sure you get enough protein throughout the rest of your day. Oh yeah, that's a great ultimate but goodie. Yes. So the last food is medicine one that I'm gonna say, and then we'll just oh no, I knew it was some, coming. I know, and we'll <laughs> just spit some final supplement recommendations at you guys. Is replace coffee with tea. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so you know you could you could baby step into this, and here's my non-negotiable. If you're someone that feels like you have dealt with HPA axis imbalance or adrenal imbalance, the Coffee is going to drive epinephrine burnout. And this is something that I myself, I'm raising my hand, kind of, I didn't forget about it, just got lax about it and then stopped doing it. Um, especially as summer hit, then I started to tip my toes into the world of cold oh, brew. Yeah. It's dangerous. Cold brew <laughs> always gets me into trouble. Um, you know, we can really drive epinephrine burnout. And again, epinephrine is that adrenaline made by the medulla of the adrenal glands. And it is metabolized from dopamine. And it is that primary fight or flight chemical responder. So if you are to do coffee, maybe you start to shift your potency or your strength to like a half calf or a water press decaf. Um, I'll link also Wild Foods does have a great clean organic decaf option because we, we worry about how decaf coffees are gonna be processed. Uh, but I would always recommend adding CBD into your coffee. And so I just recently did that in like a real um, and I put Santa Cruz Medicinals into my blended coffee with coconut oil and butter. The CBD will at least block that epinephrine adrenaline surge and support GABA expression in the brain. And so that will allow the body to feel a little more safe than chemically surged or stressed. Um, but best would be replacing coffee with tea because the tea is not going to drive that epinephrine surge and the tea is going to give us L-theanine. Um, L-theanine is honestly 
quite magical for the brain. It's a neurologically active amino acid um, and it's highly concentrated in tea. This is one of the biggest reasons why matcha is so buzzworthy Mm -hmm. um, because matcha has 10 times the concentration of a tea leaf. So we're talking about Camellia sinensis, which is the plant that the tea leaf is made from. So whether it's a black, white, oolong, green tea Um, it's all coming from the same plant um, but the white tea comes out from the bud and is not rolled or oxidized that's why it's a little more floral a little bit more lighter Um, when we're looking at the l-theanine they do the levels do vary based on the type of tea Um, the least processed teas like the green and white are going to have higher amounts and then the more processed or fermented ones will actually have lower amounts of l-theanine so unfortunately you can't trade your like english earl gray or english black tea for coffee you'd be better off trying to switch it for like a white citrus blossom Mm -hmm. and then maybe add in some of that citrus zest which would be fabulous or a green tea when you're getting those lighter brighter tannins that's where we see higher amounts of the l-theanine but l-theanine can have a favorable impact on our central nervous system Um, it has a relaxing effect it actually has been shown clinically to elevate the alpha brain waves in the brain and theanine itself can cross that blood brain barrier and this is where it has that impact so it crosses the blood brain barrier and it can influence the central nervous system by increasing alpha brainwave and alpha brainwave expression is like creative concentration focus without agitation and anxiety and when alpha brainwaves are modulated or increased or impacted we're going to see an increase also in GABA which is again that inhibitory calm out release of the vent of the fight or flight train we see a decrease in norepinephrine levels and then we see either an increase or a decrease in dopamine so there seems to be some modulating adjusting effect of the L-theanine on dopamine which is really cool and then we see a favorable expression also on even serotonin glutaminate and uh, glycine levels in the brain so because it crosses that blood-brain barrier there's a pretty serious impact on L-theanine protecting against neurotoxic exposure or neurotoxins or burnout in the brain cells supporting neuroplasticity and aiding in that concentration focus and I think the area that we see the biggest clinical efficacy kind of going full circle on the stimulants and medications that often override the imbalance of the adrenals is in ADHD so children and adults Mm -hmm. um, using L-theanine as a clinical pearl um, really fantastic to attenuate the stress response and also regulate mood anxiety sleep disturbances and aid in cognitive clarity Um, there was a study that looked at the neuroprotective anti-inflammatory and stimulatory to nerve growth factor bdnf with use of 200 milligrams of l-theanine and they saw that this level was also inhibitory of cellular oxidation so this makes it very promising for cognitive decline or dementia the the tar buildup in alzheimer's and and so much more and 200 milligrams is pretty attainable. In fact, that's what you find in three capsules of our common clear. Yes. Um, so I know that's a, a big go-to for me with clients with HPA access imbalance and, you know, might play a smaller role with the adrenal burnout. Um, but let's talk about how we use that supplement. Yeah. So, you know, that's one that, like I said, I am commonly coming in at six to eight a day. And it's one that I 
I swear all of the time, whenever I lower it to six, I'm like, damn it, I should be at eight to 10. Um, and so I think a good sweet spot for me is probably nine. I should stick with that. I, I tend to do two, four times a day though. Um, and Calm and Clear provides a really good synergy of compounds. So it has 200 milligrams of L-theanine per three capsules. It also has phosphatidylserine, which is going to actually also cross blood-brain barrier and reduce that excessive cortisol response. There's a blend of nervines and adaptogens. So you're getting the ashwagandha in there, as I mentioned. You're also getting German chamomile. You're also going to be getting... Um, what is the other calming herb in there? I just spaced it out. Did you say lemon balm? Lemon balm. No, okay. I didn't. Okay. Lemon balm, <laughs> which is a great one for also antiviral support yeah. and hormonal support. And then you're getting beyond the nervines and adaptogens and those amino acids. You're also getting a nice B complex, which we purposefully don't have folate in there um, or biotin because excessive biotin can interfere with thyroid function. Um, and so for many people like myself, I take a B complex and then I can still dose very flexibly the calm and clear because you're getting the Bs in there that really harness and support the adrenals. So you're getting that B5, B6, B12 and riboflavin or B2. Um, and then we're getting also a little bit of uh, vitamin C and magnesium in here. Yes. And, and for other end of the spectrum of like adrenal fatigue, how would you use it differently in that sort of population? Yeah. So for that population, I'd probably not dose it early in the day and mm -hmm. probably just do like one in the, maybe one with lunch if you start to get a little revved up or one in the afternoon and then two at bed. Yeah. So I would still probably do three okay. still with adrenal fatigue. Um, and then if you feel like that's too sedative and you're waking really fatigued, you could, you could level that down to two a day and split it one in one. But if you're in that HPA axis overdrive mode, like myself often, this is where I'm doing like two at rise, two at 10 a.m., two at 1 p.m., and um, you know then two at bed, and sometimes an extra two in that late afternoon timestamp. Right, and ultimately in that individual who you know has the burnout, if you're doing it later in the evening, you're gonna help with their deep restful sleep so they're recovering better and hopefully starting to see a little bit of a rebound of their cortisol in the morning. Right, absolutely. Um, and then let's maybe go through our other top supplements um, here. So obviously we hit on um, the BioC Plus already. What about yes. Relax and Regulate? Yeah, so Relax and Regulate would be another one that I would think primarily on the HPA axis overdrive, fight or flight response, uh, because this is gonna have two powerful ingredients, magnesium bisglycinate and myo-inositol. So the magnesium bisglycinate, I talked about a lot on the uh, sleep and melatonin podcast, how it basically crosses the blood-brain barrier and it aids in disengaging the pituitary from stimulating the adrenals. So it kind of works as like a bodyguard right there. And then you're getting as far as a lot of those stress impacts on the body, like restless leg and the tightness in the jaw, all those people that are holding that neuromuscular tension, this is gonna help to alleviate that neuromuscular release. And then the myo-inositol, equally important when we're looking at the world of parasympathetic impact on metabolism and reproductive health because really powerful player in regulating hormone expression as well as insulin signaling. Yes, and you know that's my desert island. <laughs> supplement yes. forever um, you were you've been up to like four scoops of that in a day right uh -huh. and back, not, a, not, to, not to be uncommon right I mean like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yep. 
Whereas I've, I've really hung at like 1.5. Yeah. I think <laughs> so. I do like one to two now. But. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I think adaptogen boost. Let's, let's kind of hit the three powerhouse players in that formula. Yeah. We talked about adaptogens in terms of food as medicine with the maca caramels. Um, but, um, adaptogen boost is a blend of three different adaptogenic herbs. So it's got panix ginseng in there or Korean ginseng. Um, and this is probably one of the most widely recognized stress adaptogens that has the ability to improve stamina, energy, physical performance. There's yes. some really good research out there, um, and can improve that HPA access feedback loop and reduce the suppression um, caused by cortisol on immune system. And then we also see rhodiola in there as an adaptogen um, that's going to aid in regulation of the central nervous system, work as an antidepressant, Mm -hmm. even has anti-cancer and cardioprotective properties. So pretty cool And I think that with hormones, women's hormones, fertility too. We've seen length of cycle improve with rhodiola, just the amount that's in uh, two capsules daily. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And then cordyceps, which is another adaptogenic mushroom. And um, this one has been studied in brain health pretty extensively, as well as immune support. Yes. And then finally, so so there are a couple bundles you might consider. There's the Adrenal Rebound Bundle. Do we rename that? I forget. I don't know. Well, it's it, Adrenal Rehab Rebound because it was called Adrenal Rehab, rehab and we Rebound. Had Got people it. confused with the program. So Got yes, it. That is correct. So this is called Adrenal Rebound Bundle, and this has the Bio C Plus, the Adaptogen Boost, and the Adrenal Support. So adrenal support is the last one that I will mention today. That is our glandular formula, and that is going to provide bovine adrenal gland. So this would help with insufficiency from the adrenal glands, both on the medulla and cortex. So this can support people that have low cortisol, low DHEA, low aldosterone, as well as low dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine. Um, So especially if you're in that stressed and tired or burnout mode, this is one that really can get you back online. I know that this was another one that Becky relied on a lot more, whereas I'm someone who used to take six a day. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally like to get into survival mode, right? Right. right. Like, so the rubber band could pull. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That poor rubber band. Um, And whereas I am pretty dangerous on one. So I would say if if you do try adrenal support, lucky it's a, um, pretty inexpensive, but yet very powerful formula. And so, you know, if you're not certain if you're dealing with adrenal insufficiency, you might instead use our stress manager bundle, which is going to be the adaptogen boost, the uh, calm and clear, and then the GABA calm. Uh, We've talked about GABA in the world of how CBD aids in GABA expression and um, how GABA is also supported by L-theanine. But GABA calm itself is the neuroinhibitory compound that is in a chewable form and literally kind of takes the steam train off the track. So if you're dealing with rumination or anticipatory stress and you're feeling that keyed up sensation of unsafe, GABACalm is a really fabulous, like calorie-free glass of wine type approach of just calm and release, takes off that white knuckle bite. Um, And that might be a really powerful tool as well. So you probably resonate with more need for the adrenal support or the GABACalm based on that that response in the body. Um, But for some people, it would be appropriate to take both. Just maybe one of them would be more dominant, whereas the Bio C Plus, Adaptogen Boost, Relax and Regulate, 
calm and clear are more of like the daily consistent foundational players. Sure. Yeah, I've been using Gavacom more this year than ever before I guess with momming and whatnot and, you, and you've downed your adrenal support so that My makes adrenal sense support so is that... down to like one to two a day some yeah. days some days not at all coming into balance yeah. girlfriend <laughs> maybe I'm about to do my uh, Labrix panel so we'll see we'll find out we could even do a podcast on it <laughs> yes so we will for sure link that as well we'll link the neurohormone complete and neurohormone complete plus panel this is a combination of saliva and urine and this looks at a four-point cortisol cascade plus your DHEA level plus your sexual hormones as well as your neurotransmitters so from serotonin to GABA to all of these adrenal players of dopamine norepinephrine and epinephrine and we do provide that with the list price on our website which includes a customized email review so you'd hear either direct from Becky or myself with supplement strategy interventions and recommendations based on where you are falling so if you really feel like you need a clinical assessment that might be a good investment to consider but I would say first jump into the adrenal rehab program again you can use the code adrenal 99 to save I hope that today's episode has enlightened you on the impact of stress and um, that you're feeling inspired to get your body into a safe regulatory place versus stressed and wired or stressed and tired until next time thank you for listening to the naturally nourished podcast visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes wellness tips and food as medicine meal plans Connect with Allie and Becky at Allie Miller RD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.